The Productive Woman, Episode 185. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. As always, thank you for joining me. And if this is your first episode of The Productive Woman, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope you find something worthwhile to listen to here. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a few tips and tools for managing email. You'll find more information and links to resources I mentioned in the episode in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 185. Uh, Before we get started, I want to mention one quick thing, and I will talk a little bit more at the end of the show about some of the ways that I'm here to support and encourage you in your journey toward making a life that matters. But there's something new that I'm doing. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I uh, facilitate mastermind groups, paid masterminds, and do some coaching. And I'm going to continue to do that in the months and and maybe the years to come. But I am going to be launching soon a new program, uh, a new kind of mastermind group that I'm tentatively calling the Productive Woman Professionals. And this is a new program for professional women, for doctors, lawyers, educators, executives, Uh, women who consider themselves professionals in a field like that, who've gone through the kind of schooling and education and, and made the commitment to a professional life like that. And that I know that's a little bit vague, but it's a broad category. This program is a new kind of mastermind program that I'm going to be doing, and it'll be focusing on the unique challenges of managing those professional obligations and personal priorities. I envision this as a little bit longer term than the regular Productive Woman Mastermind, which I will continue to do and look forward to working with women in those groups, Uh, but it will be a little bit longer term. The regular masterminds meet for 12 weeks. The 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 productive woman professional will meet for a longer period of time. So they'll get a chance to get to know each other a little bit better, know each other's businesses and professional obligations and the priorities that they're, they're working toward. And it will be a mixture of both small group mastermind meetings and one-on-one coaching over the course of the time that we're working together. So if you're looking for the opportunity as a professional woman to join a small community of like-minded women for accountability, ideas, and support in your journey toward making a life that matters, email me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com and I will be happy to share some more information with you about that. All right, let's get into the topic for this episode, and it's all about email, and this comes kind of out of my own experience right now. I have just been inundated with email lately. My law practice, The Productive Woman, 
personal emails, uh, my writing that I do kind of on the side. And and I I like email. I use it as a mechanism for communicating with people I need to communicate with. I especially love getting emails from listeners. So please don't take what I'm saying here as a hint that I don't want to get emails from you because I very much do. I love hearing from listeners and, and emailing back and forth and getting to know you. But I have a lot of other stuff coming in so that it, it gets hard to stay on top of it. So I thought I'd do a little bit of research and and kind of sit down and brainstorm some of my ideas for getting a better handle on email and um you know, finding ways to not let it run my life. And and I thought maybe you would enjoy hearing some of that. I, I suspect that some of you are in the same situation. One study that I read says that we check our email an average of 74 times a day. And I'll put links to, to articles that I re- reference in this episode in the show notes. So feel free to check those out. There was a lot of interesting information there. And it's not surprising that we check our email so often. One article said that global, and I'm quoting here, globally, a staggering 269 billion emails are sent each day. And there are currently just over 3.7 billion, and that's billion with a B, email users worldwide. This is from a September 2017 article on email statistics that was real interesting to me anyway. Uh, That same article says the average office worker receives 121 emails a day. Another article said that that number is expected to reach 140 emails a day in 2018. And that's from an Australian news source that I'll link to in the show notes. And both of those are just talking about business emails. It's not counting the personal emails we get, whether it's newsletters we subscribe to or emails from friends and family about activities and things that we're doing or any of those sorts of things. None of that's counted in that. So just the average office worker is getting uh, between 121 and, and I guess 140 emails a day. And that's an average. I can tell you that on some days when I've got closings coming up, I, I blow through that number pretty, pretty quickly. So uh, again, I just thought it was worth looking at some ways that we can get that under control and manage the email that we're getting so that it becomes a tool that helps us get our lives uh, in the order we want them to be and not a headache all the time. And so I just came up with 10 tips and, and there's really more than 10, but there's 10 items on my list and uh, some little subparts of those. So the first thing that I thought about is simply to simplify. I actually have multiple email accounts. I have my email account for the law firm. I have my productive woman person, you know, my my email account for the productive woman. There's the feedback at the productive woman email account. I have a Yahoo account from that I think may have been my first personal email account from 20 years ago that is still open. I have a Gmail account and then I have some others as well. 
And maybe I'm worse than the rest of you. I hope I am. I hope that you're not in that same situation where you've got so many different email accounts. But one of the things I've been thinking about is simplifying those, combining them and deleting some of the email accounts. So I don't have so many different sources. Now you can simplify also by doing one of the things that I do is that they all feed into my Apple Mail uh, client. So the, the Apple Mail app that's on my uh, desktop computer and on my l- laptop, on my t- iPad, my iPhone, all my email accounts feed into there. So I, I can sort and see them by what I want to see. But it's still just a lot of different accounts to manage. Now, there are some benefits to having separate accounts. Certainly, separating out your your work or your business email from your personal email is probably a good idea. Uh, You may want to have a separate email account that is only given out to just close friends and family. So nobody else has that email account. It doesn't go anywhere else. And hopefully that can help kind of limit the spam that's coming in there. And I do, the reason I keep the Yahoo account is that's the one I use when I sign up for a newsletter or an account, you know, a shopping account or something where I'm going to be buying something. That's the email I get for that. So all that kind of stuff only goes there for the most part. And that can be helpful, but still, if you've got a lot of email accounts and some of them you're not really using, but they're just kind of there and and you're getting a lot of spam, consider combining those accounts, deleting some, simplifying that way. The other way you can um, consider simplifying your email is to uh, have fewer folders or a simpler way of filing the emails that you do get. And so my husband and I were talking about that uh, either yesterday or this morning. We were talking about email and he's an engineer for a defense contractor. He works as an aerospace engineer and he gets a lot of emails and is trying to figure out what's the best way to store the ones that he needs to be able to reference because he has so many different projects that having a separate folder for each project isn't necessarily the most efficient way if he needs to find something later that was an email about one project but has information that's relevant to another one. And so we were talking about the benefit of instead of having separate folders for each kind of topic, having fewer folders and using the search function instead of folders. And that's kind of a direction I'm thinking about going, at least in my personal and productive woman accounts. My law firm account, I've always had a separate folder for each client and then subfolders for each matter or deal that I work on for those clients. And for the most part, that works pretty well because you can still do a global search to find an email if you need it. But uh, all, pretty much all the email clients these days have really good search function. So you might do just fine to have maybe an action folder for things that you need to follow up on, a waiting for folder for uh, something you've sent out that you're waiting for a response on and you want to remember to check on it. And, you know, maybe one or two others and then everything else just into a, a, 
I wouldn't want to call it an archive folder because Gmail uses that in a different way, but just a a reference folder or a resource folder or anything, whatever you want to call it, and know that if you want to find an email by a certain person or an email that was about a certain subject, you can use the search function to find that pretty quickly. So that's something to consider. Mike said that uh, at his office, he talked with some of the the supervisors or the managers who are kind of above him and asked how they manage it. And they've gone to simply having a folder for each year. So all the emails that came in in 2017 are all in the 2017 folder and they can, you know, search from there. So that's another way to do it. But uh, just some thoughts to consider. And some of the articles that I have linked to in the show notes have some other ideas for how you can do that and why it might be a good idea. And so feel free to check those out. Uh, There were some really good articles this time that I found that were worth sharing. So that's number one, simplify your email, whether it's the number of accounts or the filing system that you use. Number two, and maybe this should have been number one, uh, the number one tip for managing email, and I've talked about this before, but turn off all the alerts. And I mean both the sound and the the little flag icon that shows up on your on your desktop that shows how many emails you have unread or however you have it set up, turn those off. Those are sources of distraction more than anything else. And one of the best things I did, and I did this a long time ago for my, back when I was working in a law office, is I had turned off all the dings and pings and, and flashing messages, all the alerts on my email. I, in my case, generally during the workday, I have my email folder open or probably minimized while I'm working, but it's available so I can check it quickly to keep track if, especially if I've got a, a deal that's on a, you know, time sensitive matter, but I have all the alerts turned off because they're just disruptive to and make it very, very hard to get any real work done. And so on my phone, I have it turned off. On my computer, I have it turned off. I have all those alerts turned off. And I encourage you to consider doing that as well. Because even if you don't look when it alerts you, the fact that you were alerted there's science behind this and studies that have shown that it distracts your attention from the work you're doing, even momentarily. And it takes a few seconds to get back to the focus that you had before. And so again, I I don't want to beat a dead horse as they say, but really I encourage you if you haven't already done it to go into the settings on all your devices and turn off the alerts, both the sounds and those, those icon flags and take control over when your email will have your attention. And to that point, number three is to consider closing your email that is not even opening it up, whether it's the email client on your device or in a browser or whatever, and only opening it at set times each day. And it can be, you know, a lot of the productivity experts recommend just opening your email twice a day, once in the morning and once late afternoon. And if that works for you, that's great. That that would never work for me because 
I need to be reachable by email. I need to be aware when communication comes in. So for me, closing my email, I kind of do it the other way. I have certain, instead of having certain times a day that I check email, I have certain times a day that I close my email so that I can, or walk away from my desk and work somewhere else without my email nearby so that I can work on something that requires my focused attention. But for a lot of people, I think we, we could close that email and only open it, have certain times a day and have it on your calendar to remind you that, okay, at, you know, whether it's 9.30 a.m. and 3.30 p.m., I open my email and I deal with it. The rest of the time, I don't open it. Uh, I would encourage you to consider not opening your email in the morning until you've spent at least an hour on your most important priority project. The thing about email is, Somebody has said, and I don't remember where I first heard this, but it's so true that it is somebody else's priority for your time. And rather than it being your priority that you've set for yourself, emails always are somebody else's idea of what you ought to be doing at any given time. And maybe your job is such that you need to be responsive to that. If so, then find other ways, you know, you can try the the system that I have, which is certain times a day, I close my email so that I can focus on my work. And then I open it back up when I'm doing things that don't require such deep focus. But again, if you've got a project or a something that you've been wanting to make progress on and you haven't been able to, consider devoting that first hour of your working day, whether it's work or personal, um, to that project before you open your email. I, I would really encourage you to consider not you know, not being, having email be the first thing you look at in the morning. It, it can, it can mess up your day. You know, it, if, if there's bad news that's come in or something like that, that sets your a tone for your day that maybe isn't the greatest thing. It's something I'm trying to avoid doing, to wait and to open my email until after I've been through my morning routine. I am not a brain surgeon. I am just a lawyer and a podcaster and a coach and the things that I do. So there's almost never going to be something that comes in my email that I need to see the minute I wake up in the morning. And I would guess for most of you, that's the case. And so rather than letting email set the tone for your day or my day, let's consider being a little more deliberate and intentional about how we start our day. So if possible, don't open your email till you've spent, you know, been through your morning routine and then spent an hour on your most important priority project and then open up your email and have a, an email processing routine that helps you get through it quickly. Consider setting a timer for it and, and, and kind of racing yourself to get through it. I would generally say to start with the oldest email first and work your way to the most current so that if there's something that's been waiting a little while, you know, you get it taken care of. But I, the, with the caveat that you should perhaps skim the inbox to check for follow-up emails in case an earlier email that you're looking at 
got superseded or, or was rendered moot by another email that came in later. So start with the oldest, work towards the most current, but do a quick skim of the box, inbox to make sure there's not something uh, that came in later that's relevant to the one you're about to reply to. Second thing in the routine to think about is the two-minute rule. In, in other words, if you can reply in two minutes or less, just do it immediately and then delete or file that email instead of looking at it uh, and then moving on to read the next one and the next one and then having to come back and deal with it. If you can reply or do what you need to with that in two minutes or less, just do it, then it's done and it's over with and get it out of your inbox, either by deleting it, archiving it, putting in a folder, however you manage that. Certainly delete whatever you can. Don't keep things in your inbox that don't need to be there. You might consider creating an action folder for items that are going to require more than two minutes to reply to. If there's something you need to gather some information or think about a little more, or it's going to take a longer reply, then instead of leaving it in the inbox, consider uh, having an action folder that you move that into. And most email uh, programs have some system that you can put a certain, you know, they, the folders all get listed in alphabetical order, but there usually is a symbol you can put at the front of it that will move it up to the top, whether it's a dash or an asterisk or just an A in front of it can move it up to the top so that your action folder and maybe the waiting for folder could be up at the top of the list of folders check out the system for the email program that you're using for how you can do that. So it kind of moves it up to the top where you can see it and then move those action items that are going to take a little longer into that and, and add a reminder to your to-do list to check that folder and to follow up on that. A lot of email programs will let you create a task like Outlook. I think you can create a task out of an email itself just by clicking on it. And most of the digital task managers like OmniFocus, Nosby, Todoist, and, and most of the other good digital task managers actually also give you a kind of a secret email address that you can forward an email to that will add it to your to-do list so that you won't forget by putting it, you know, a lot of times we leave things in our inbox because we think I got to remember to do something about it. If I file it away, I'll forget. Well, take that second to forward it into your OmniFocus or Nosby or Todoist or whatever, or just create a task to follow up on that and then put it in the action folder and move on. So those are some things, again, number one was to simplify the email accounts in your store, your file system. Number two is to turn off the alerts. Number three is to close your email and only open it when you're ready to actually process it. Don't be checking it every five minutes or three minutes or whatever. And when you do open it, follow a routine that uh, lets you get through processing those emails quickly using the, to, uh, the two-minute rule, deleting what you can, and creating an action folder with, with reminders to follow up. Number four on my list is kind of tied to the one that we just did, and that is to limit your email time. Email, like everything else, can expand to fill the time made available to it. So instead of figuring out how much time you need for your email, 
decide how much time you will spend on your email at any when you sit down to do it. And maybe it's going to be 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, if you're one of those that gets lots of emails in. But decide when you open it how much time you're going to spend in there and and even and then you know set a timer or an alarm and when the time is up close your email and get back to your other work even if you haven't finished everything if you have set up regularly scheduled time for processing your email you will get back to it and pick up where you left off and eventually you'll get through everything so limit the amount of time, decide how much time you will spend on email and stick to that, but make it a regular thing. I'm mostly talking about work email here, but I think the same thing is true for personal email. And a lot of these things uh, that I've talked about for work carry over to your personal email, your side business, all those sorts of things. And what works for one might not work for the other. Like As I've mentioned, for my law practice email, I can't close my email most of the day and only open it twice a day. But I can do that for my other emails. And I do do that. I don't have my productive woman email or my personal email open when I'm working. And I have certain times a day when I check it and respond to things and process those emails. So again, mostly I've been talking about work email, but a lot of this applies across the board. Number five tip is to consider using the out of office message to kind of manage expectations as to how quickly you're going to respond, even if you're in the office. Uh, A lot of people, you know, use an out of office message when they're going to be out on vacation or traveling or something like that. And of course, there's the great tip of turning that on like the day before you leave and leave it on for the day after you get back to give yourself time to prepare to leave and to get caught up when you return. And I think that's a great tip anytime that you're traveling to put those buffer days at at the right before you leave and right after you get back to allow for the things that need to be done then. But you can use that out of office message, even if you're not out of the office to let people know you're, you know, you're still alive, but you're not uh, checking emails. You're not responding immediately. And you can just put a polite message on there that, you know, that says, thank you for reaching out to me. I'm in a busy season at work and my response times may be delayed, but I will return your reply to your email uh, the next time I process emails or something like that. And that lets people know that the message has been delivered, but they shouldn't expect an immediate response. So that was number five. Number six is to get some help with your email. And there are a couple of ways you can do that. And and only you know if this will work for the kind of email that you have. One way is uh, to use a trusted assistant or intern, a secretary, or a virtual assistant to triage your emails. If you have uh, access to a person like that, if you have an assistant, a secretary, a a VA, somebody who can help you with that, who can go in and sort the email, delete the things, obviously you have to train them about what's important and what's not, but they can delete the things that are junk mail. They can uh, res- perhaps if they're very well trained and trusted, they can reply to the things that don't require your immediate response to let the uh, sender know that 
you've received the email and that you'll be replying or to give them the information they've asked for, something like that. And then sort the things that need your immediate attention into a folder that's labeled however you tell this person to label it and let you, then they can let you know, okay, you've got six emails in there that need you to pay attention to them. That can be a great tool if you've got a person like that in your life who can help with that. There are also services that will do similar kinds of things. I've talked before about SaneBox. They're not sponsoring this episode. They have been a sponsor in the past, but I continue to use it and it uh, learns. It's I, I don't know how these things work. It's kind of magic as far as I'm concerned, but it sorts my email into, it knows when it's a newsletter, when it's uh you know, something that is not important and moves those things into folders that I've designated that I can check when it's convenient for me and leaves only the things that are important in my inbox so I can see those and get to those at the appropriate time. And it has an ability to learn, you know, if something ends up in the the same later box that you actually want to see that you want left in your email inbox, all you have to do is drag it back into your inbox and SaneBox learns and remembers that going forward. So it's a great tool. It's also got the, I've mentioned this before, the same black hole that for junk mail that you get, you just drag it in there into the same black hole folder. And then SaneBox will watch for emails from that sender and put them in there and you, you never have to see them at all. So that's a great tool. Another one we've talked about before is unroll.me, which is a, a service. And as far as I know, it's still free that will unsubscribe you from, uh, from emails that you're getting, you know, the junk mail kinds of things. So that's a great tool. And another tool that can help you is uh, something called Boomerang, which is a plugin for Gmail. If you use that, that can, uh, defer emails or when you send something, it, it, you can kind of set a a timer on it that if you don't get a response within X period of time, it'll pop it back into your inbox with a reminder that you're waiting to hear from this person. So those are some tools and services that can be really helpful. I'll have links for those in the show notes, but consider those as another way of getting some help with managing your email. And so that was number six. Number seven is unsubscribe. Uh, unsubscribe frequently and liberally to any newsletter you're getting, you know what, including mine, if it's not adding value to you, I only send the newsletter out once a month, but nevertheless, if it's not adding value to you, unsubscribe, or if you're not having time to read it right now, I have been kind of on a, a binge over the last couple months of unsubscribing to most of the newsletters I had subscribed to. Uh, and, and that includes newsletters I intentionally subscribe to, you know, we get those newsletter type things from stores whose mailing list we get on because we signed up, you know, they got our email address when we bought something from them, we start getting all these emails almost all of them have, well, they're supposed to have at the bottom, a button you can, a link you can click on to unsubscribe, and then you should stop getting those emails. You can always resubscribe later when time permits. And honestly, myself, when I've subscribed to some that I simply have not been having time to read, a lot of times when you unsubscribe, you'll get a little follow-up that says, or when you're going through the unsubscribe process, and you'll get a little... uh, 
thing. Can you tell us maybe why you're unsubscribing? And there's an option to leave a little note and I'll tell them, I love your content, but I simply have not had time to read it lately. I will resubscribe when my schedule changes because I don't want people to, you know, it's disappointing when someone leaves your email, a new subscription list. But uh, anyway, that's just something that I do. But if you're getting inundated with email newsletters or ads or solicitations, unsubscribe and make those go away and get fewer of those. You can do it manually. You can, as I said, use the SaneBox. If you use SaneBox, you can use the SaneBox black hole and uh, or the unrule.me, but unsubscribe from those things and winnow out the number of emails you're getting each day. Number eight is to be smart about the emails you send. And one tip that I think is so important is make good use of the subject line of emails. Make it descriptive about what the, you know, just a few words about what the email is about. And do this both for your sake, for finding it later, you know, if you need to search for it, but also for the recipients. So they know what they're getting and they know whether it's something they need to open right away. And uh, as an adjunct to that tip, I encourage you to consider changing the subject line. When you reply to an email, but you're, and there's a subject line and maybe it's a good one, maybe it's not, but your reply addresses something different from what their email said, then change the subject line to what it is, again, uh, just a few words about what you're actually emailing about uh, so that uh, you can find it, they know what they're getting, et cetera. So when you're scrolling through the long list of emails in your, your archive folder, you know which ones are the ones you're looking for by what's in the subject line. But also in being smart about the emails you send, don't use email for scheduling, okay? Especially if you're trying to schedule a meeting or a call or an event with more than one person. We've all done this, the the incessant emailing back and forth amongst a group of people trying to find a time that works for everybody for a meeting or a call or something. And that it's just maddening. It just adds to the number of emails in your inbox. It adds to the number of alerts you get if you haven't turned off your alerts. And there are better ways to deal with scheduling events. One, maybe a phone call. Just if it's one person and you need to schedule something, just make a quick call and say, hey, when are you available to do this thing? And as an aside, phone call may be the best means of communication for other things as well. Emails are great. I love email. I use it all the time, but sometimes it's best to just pick up the phone, whether it's because it's a sensitive topic or because there's a a possibility of misunderstanding. If, if, you know, it's just words on a screen as opposed to tone of voice and that sort of thing. Consider carefully before sending emails. And, uh, you know, I could go, as a lawyer, I could get into a whole long litany of reasons why that's important. But just consider whether a phone call might be the better way to communicate what you're doing. And as far as scheduling a lot of, you know, an event that involves a lot of people, Try an app like Doodle, which lets you just put a poll together with the 
suggested times and let's let's everybody vote and then you get one notification from Doodle saying, "All right, everybody's answered your poll. You can go see which times are don't work for everybody, which times do, and you can pick the one that works and it's all done much more quickly. So I highly recommend Doodle as opposed to using email for scheduling things. Uh, number nine, try to process your email regularly. Have no more emails in your inbox than you can see without scrolling. If you've got hundreds and hundreds of emails in your inbox, things are going to get lost. Things are going to get, um, overlooked, forgotten. If you have to scroll down and you're busy, you just might not see an important email. So have regular times to that are scheduled, put them on your calendar and set an alarm where you sit down and process your email. And we talked a little earlier about the, you know, setting a time limit for it and the process to follow. Consider uh, doing it more quickly and, and, and just if you do it regularly, it won't take as long as if you wait and let things pile up. Uh, one article I read again said, organize your mail when you're processing it using folders like action, waiting and archives. And this article also said, as I mentioned earlier, when you do check mail, use the two minute rule, immediately handle any email you can read and respond to in two minutes or less. So do it regularly, have those folders, consider using the search function instead of having tons of folders. There are tools that can help you process your email. Uh, One that I used to love when I was at the law office and we we used Outlook for our email client, there's a, a plugin called Simply File that is just fabulous for quickly filing emails. And even as you send them, it asks you, do you want it to go into this folder when it sends, et cetera. It's really great. I won't go into the details, but I will put a link in the show notes for this one. If you use Outlook on a Windows-based computer and you don't use Simply File, you owe it to yourself to check that out. They are not a sponsor, never have been, but it's a great tool. One of the regrets of my law practice right now is, as you know, I work from home now and I use my iMac to do my legal work and we still use Outlook, but Outlook for Mac does not support Simply File and that's distressing to me because I love it. Uh, Other kinds of email have similar tools that you can use to help you process your email. Gmail has tagging and filters that you can set up that will automatically move certain emails into folders for attention later. You can use set up rules in Outlook, in Gmail, in Apple Mail, and many others. And of course, use the delete button liberally. You don't need to keep everything that comes in the door. And finally, the the last tip for this episode is something you may have heard of called email bankruptcy. If things have gotten completely out of control and you've got, you know, dozens or hundreds of emails in your inbox that haven't been read going back months and months, you might want to consider simply declaring email bankruptcy, which means delete everything in your inbox that hasn't been read yet on the assumption that if it's important, they'll contact you again. And, you know, a lot of it is probably stale anyway. They've given up, they've moved on, or it's uh, things that have passed, have expired. So consider 
just declaring email bankruptcy and starting fresh. Now, I say that, but I can promise you I could never do that. Uh, I would be worried that there was something in there that was important. So an alternative, and I have done this, is simply taken everything out of my inbox, moved it into a new folder that I put up at the top of my list using one of the, the what I mentioned earlier, and calling it to process. And move it all in there. So now my inbox is empty. And when I open my email in the morning, the, my first time, the first time I spend an email is dealing now with the new things that have come into my inbox. And that's, I, I work at that point on keeping it uh, cleaned out and processing it as we've talked about earlier in this episode and keeping on top of it. And then also scheduling regular time, maybe just 15 minutes a day to go into that to process folder and go through those. Again, if you're braver than me, you can just delete them and know that people will get in touch with you again if there was something important in there. But if you're not going to do that, you put it in the to process folder. And then separate from my regular ongoing maintenance would be a a 15 minute window each day where I go into the to process folder folder and go back to the oldest ones and just work my way up and either respond, delete, or file or archive it and and keep doing that until that to process folder is emptied out. So hopefully that's helpful. I mean, where we end up here, email is an important part of my business and most people's business. It's a valuable way to stay in touch with other people. But it's also important for us to remember and think to think of email as somebody else's idea of what you should be spending your time on. To be productive, to make a life that matters, we need to set our priorities personally and intentionally and not just be reacting to what shows up in our email inbox. So hopefully some of these tips will help. But what do you think? Is email an issue for you? Or have you found a system that works to keep it under control? I would love to hear from you. I think this is an ongoing discussion for a lot of us uh, to stay on top of all those dozens and dozens of emails that come in every day. So if you've got some ideas about this or, or thoughts about something I've said on this episode, I would love to hear from you. You can share your questions or your ideas, your thoughts in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you find at theproductivewoman.com slash 185, or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, which if you're a woman who listens to this show, you are welcome to join us in that group. Uh, You can post a comment or a tip or a question there and start a conversation. We have some great conversations going on in that group and uh, we can continue this one there. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Before we go, a couple quick things. I want to say thank you to some folks who've recently left some very nice five-star reviews of The Productive Woman in iTunes. Uh, The most recent one was from Brooke Craven from the United States. 
who uh, loves the show and calls it a can't-miss podcast, says that the host and expert guests offer insightful information and advice that's helpful to anyone that listens. And I want to thank you, Brooke, for those kind words. I do appreciate it. Um, Chris Ward from Canada says, The Productive Woman is an enjoyable podcast where you happen to learn something. Productivity can be heavy. This podcast is not. So thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. And LaRue from the United States has said, The Productive Woman has become one of my favorite podcasts and is in constant rotation in my playlist. Laura's down-to-earth demeanor and thought-provoking topics help me think about things in a different way and encourage me to be more intentional with how I spend my time. She says, I just wish I could write and drive at the same time because I'm constantly hearing nuggets that I want to jot down. Thank goodness for show notes. Keep up the great work, Laura. Well, thank you, LaRue, and I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. I really appreciate those kind words. It's very encouraging to me to know that you're finding the podcast to be worthwhile. And uh, so thank you to all of you for those kind reviews. And then just one quick reminder, if you're looking for support and encouragement and ideas and accountability in making your own life that matters, check out the productivewoman.com slash services to learn more about ways that we can work together and that I can maybe help you personally, either through one-on-one personalized productivity coaching Uh, the Productive Woman Mastermind Groups, which will be starting new groups coming up in the next few weeks. And or if you're looking for a speaker at your upcoming event, whether it's a conference, a, a women's group meeting, anything like that, I would love to come personally if I could add value to your event and help inspire and encourage the attendees at your event. So any of those things, again, visit the productivewoman.com slash services to learn more or email me at feedback at the productivewoman.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. That is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. And as always, I appreciate more than you might imagine your spending time with me. I hope that it was worthwhile to you. I hope there was something in it that was helpful. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.